Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA-certified speech-language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friend. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Well, first off, Happy New Year. And I also want to say Happy New Season of Speechy Side Up. So one of my goals for this year is to put out an episode every single week again, which is going to be a huge undertaking now that I am a toddler mom and working for myself in private practice, but it is my goal and I'm going to try to stick to it. It may not come out on the exact same day every week, but the goal is to get one out at least once a week until the end of the year. So I don't know about you, but I went into this year really excited, had all of these goals planned, had my morning routine set up, and I was super excited to get the year started. And then, bam, week one of January 2023 was probably one of the craziest weeks in my entire life, mostly because it was unexpected and I felt like everything came at once. And everyone says when it rains, it pours. And that was definitely the case for this season. So if you're not following along on Instagram and didn't hear all of the drama and saga, I'll just do a Cliff Notes version here. But basically, we lost our child care the first week of January, which obviously messed with my business goals, including building up my existing private practice. So everything kind of came to a screeching halt. And I had to start prioritizing because now I was taking care of my daughter solely while my husband was running his business and his taking care of his employees. I realized that I had to fit in my work's related task during her nap time. And at the end of the day when my husband could kind of come home and hang out with her and I could get things done. So she typically naps around two, two and a half hours. And then I would get two hours at the end of the day. So a good four hours a day. And actually I just heard about research that says that four hours is all you need in a day if you are focused on the top task that will move the needle in your business, in your practice, in your work. All you need is four hours a day to be productive. All of the other time that you spend working is just fluff. So I kind of wish I could go back and tell that to my previous employers, but 
I don't think that they would buy it, but hopefully people will start to buy into that. But if you're thinking about, you know, working for yourself or running your own private practice, then that's something to keep in mind, especially if you are balancing family time and work time and just know that you don't have to feel so guilty if you are only spending around four hours a day doing work-related stuff and the other amount of time is with family. So that has been our situation since the first week of January. We also had a night babysitter who's a college student. And now that my daughter is older, I feel more comfortable having a college student take care of her, especially if I'm working from home in our office. I just wanted somebody there who could play with her, engage with her. And she's at this stage now where she's into a lot of pretend play. So I wanted her to have a buddy to hang out while I got work-related stuff done. And she's starting school actually twice a week at the end of this month. So it's just been a very weird transition phase. A lot of other things happened around this time that we lost childcare. She got very, very sick around that time. She had a fever, a high fever for about nine days. We were in and out of the urgent care. They were trying to figure out what was going on. It just ended up being a very bad virus. They said it could have been two viruses back to back as well. Of course, my husband got it. And thankfully, I hadn't gotten it. And so I was kind of taking care of everybody. But it was just not great timing at all. And obviously brought all of the goals and visions that I had for this year to a halt, like I had mentioned before. So I'm sharing all of this with you because now we are in, what is it? three of January. So it's been about two weeks since we got the news. And I feel like things are definitely getting back on track again. And something that was really important to me this year was to get back my morning routine. For the first two years of my daughter's life, it was a very inconsistent sleep schedule. If you're a parent, you can probably relate to this. If you even had a pet, who is a puppy. Puppies can be very demanding in the beginning as well when they're going through potty training. So all of that to say, if you have ever had a puppy or a baby, you know how difficult it is to maintain a routine. And I feel like she is just finally starting to sleep better in the night and I am able to have more consistency in the morning. So one of the things that was really important to me was to get back my morning routine. So waking up at a set time every day, getting a workout in, getting a meditation and getting to journal because it makes me a happier person. It makes me calmer, more patient. It keeps me focused. I have a clear vision and it keeps me goal oriented. I don't know if I've ever done an episode on meditation and journaling. But I definitely have talked about it a lot and how important it used to be to me prior to having my daughter. And I had tried so hard in the last two years to develop a routine again. And it's definitely been challenging. But I would say that thankfully I've been able to maintain it so far this year. And, you know, after all of that happened in the first week of January, that was something I was really concerned about was losing those goals that I had put in place so early on in the year already. And I think the reason I'm able to get back on track so quickly is because I had done a vision board 
And this vision board was not like other ones that I've done in the past. This vision board was based on my values that I identified. So I will credit my business coach with this suggestion, not the suggestion to do the vision board based on values, but to really identify what my values are. So I have done multiple types of personality tests, including the Enneagram test. So this particular personality test, I guess you could call it, is called the VIA Character Strengths Profile. The whole idea behind that is that you can capitalize on your strengths in whatever work setting you go into. So let me pull up that survey and explain what they identified as my strengths. The top strength that I exhibited after taking this survey, I guess you could call it, was creativity, judgment, love of learning, curiosity, appreciation of beauty and excellence, honesty, bravery, perspective, prudence, and love. And I feel at least the first five are exactly how I would identify myself. Sometimes it's just hard to put those type of things into words. Like when someone asks, what are your values? It's like, I don't know. What are my values? But you really should know what your values are because then it's going to help you make better decisions about what fits your lifestyle and what will make you the happiest and it'll help you set boundaries better. So for instance, my number one strength, according to this profile, is creativity. And I would definitely identify with that. I love to be creative. I love having creative freedom. And I've found in the past when I work for an employer, it is difficult to exercise that creative freedom because your your performance is based on productivity. It's based on seeing clients. It's based on your administrative work. And it doesn't leave a lot of time for creative freedom. So I found that in other outlets like podcasting, like creating resources for teachers, pay teachers, and that has been a really nice outlet for me. So I use this strengths-based profile as a jump-off point for identifying my values after my business coach told me to do so. And it was interesting how easy it became to identify what was really important to me as the ball was rolling. So my number one, which isn't in the strengths-based profile, but my number one is family time. I actually might have even taken that before I had my daughter, so that probably wouldn't have been included, but I don't even know if it was a measure in that assessment. But family time is so important to me. And then I made this table that has values, what it means, and then what the relevance is. So I'll explain this to you. So for family time, that meant having time where I could be present with my family and not thinking about other things, not checking emails, not doing any work-related stuff before 9.30 a.m. or after 5 p.m. and on the weekends and obviously like while we're on vacations. And I said that this related to business because business-related things could seep into those times and I really wanted to keep them separate. Another really important value to me is budgeting. And I read a book last year, I highly recommend it, called The Profit First System. Recommend it to anybody, but especially business owners. So if you're thinking about private practice or running a side hustle, 
this probably needs to be one of like the first things that you read because I think a lot of people go into business without having a good budgeting system and they're wondering why they're not making a profit after year one, year two. And then you start thinking about those things or you get an accountant. But I would highly recommend reading this first because it'll set you up for success. But it's, it was important to me to budget accordingly and not spending more than what is actually in my business expenses account. And obviously that relevance was business. Hey, hey, so really quick, if you have ever thought about jumping into private practice or just dipping your toe into private practice, taking on a few clients at a time, this is the best time ever to do it. And I'll tell you why. There are so many wait lists across the country for speech and language therapy that parents are so eager to get started, whether it's through consulting, whether it is in person or through teletherapy, they really need services for their children. And the good thing is you don't have to completely abandon ship. You can take on one two, three clients at a time and just see if it's something you even enjoy doing. But if you are starting to specialize in a particular area and you want to see more clients for that specialty, then you can build your private practice around those type of clients, which is not something that you can do when you're working for an employer most of the time. You also deserve to get paid for the quality of work that you're doing and you also deserve to get back to doing more therapy and doing less administrative work. I'll just share with you that I had always resisted doing private practice and I was so nervous about starting private practice, how I would get clients, how I would get reimbursed, what if clients canceled, then I wouldn't have consistent income and financial security. I was also really overwhelmed by all of the intake forms and how I would do billing, but I have been very pleasantly surprised. And there is one major program that has helped me feel more confident and at ease. It's called Simple Practice. So Simple Practice has everything you need to run your private practice from booking and scheduling to insurance and even client billing. They have an app. I do all of my soap notes and documentation within the system. I turn on automatic billing so I don't even have to think about it. And whenever I see a client, they get billed at the end of the night if we had that appointment. And whenever I start with a new client, I can send them all the intake forms directly through Simple Practice. They fill them out. It gets stored in the online portal. It's HIPAA compliant. And it sends my clients automatic reminders before our appointment. So I don't have to worry about confirming with them. And since I only see a few clients a couple times a week, I needed something that was budget friendly and didn't cost a lot up front because I didn't want a lot of overhead cost. And it's extremely inexpensive every month considering what value it brings to my private practice. Like their starter plan is only $29 a month. Really, really affordable for private practice, especially for someone who's just starting out. And the fact that it includes everything that you need to start a private practice, it is so worth it. Now that I've been trialing it for six months with my private practice, 
I feel extremely comfortable talking about it, recommending it. So if you're interested in trialing it, then use the link in the show notes because not only will you get the 30-day free trial, but then if you decide to sign up, then you'll get the first month free. And I promise you it is so worth it if you are getting into private practice. Okay, that's all I have to say about Simple Practice. It's amazing. It has been a game changer in my private practice and it has taken a huge weight off of my back and made me feel less intimidated and stressed about running a private practice. And you totally need it if you are thinking about going out on your own. And kudos to you because that takes a huge leap of faith. Now let's get back to the show. So I'm not going to go through the meaning and relevance of all these, but let me just read off the other values. Creative freedom, integrity, so being consistent in my words and my actions, especially as a private practitioner with my clients. Equity was another value, so providing fair treatment and going a little bit further and doing more justice work as well determination, so not taking no for an answer and being persistent, personal development, that's a huge one for me. I love learning. I value that we have the ability to continue to learn new things. And obviously, having pod courses on here is really important to me to disseminate information. So I just love other people who love learning too. And having options, so being able to explore all options and weighing the evidence fairly. I value being in nature. I love sunsets. I love fresh air. I value excellence in food and quality of work and work dedication. I value trustworthiness, so being honest and sticking to your word. I value security, whether it's financial or whether it's environmental, so just feeling safe in my environment as well. I value adventure, so going to new places, trying out new things. I value authenticity, so this is more of a personal one for me. So if I told you the relevance, that would be more related to light. And then self-control, and that's with social media, with exercising, with committing to my morning routines, and that's also more relevant to life. And then I value connection, so building meaningful relationships and nurturing them. So it had always been very difficult for me to put my values into words. But like I said, once you get started with this and hopefully by providing some of those examples, you might think, oh, I value that too. It might help you identify your own values. So why is this important? And why did my business coach recommend that I do this? Because something happened at the end of last year that was completely against my values. And I felt it in my bones and in my body while I was making the decision, but I still went forward with it anyways. Thankfully, I've learned from that experience and it just opened my eyes to why it's so important for me to have my values up where I can see them every day and really weigh my decisions against my values. So I'll I'll share what happened. Basically, I have been wanting to have a office space for a while now. Thankfully, I'm able to share an office within my husband's office, but I can't see clients there because it's not zoned for medical. So I do go to my clients' homes currently, but it's a lot of driving around, as you can imagine. And I want to build my private practice. So I, I was hoping to 
have a place. I also did caregiver and me type of classes, but I was renting space from dance studios and indoor playgrounds. And I just wanted to have my own place to see my clients do the caregiver and me classes. And I found this beautiful place. It seemed too good to be true. And craziest thing that happened while I was looking at this space with my uncle, who's a realtor, we ran into a woman who was also interested in it. And he was like, what do you do? And she said, I'm an occupational therapist. And I'm like, no way. I'm a speech therapist. Are you interested in co-leasing? And she was like, actually, yeah, I prayed to find somebody that I could co-lease with. And it gave me goosebumps when she said that because it felt like it was the right time, right place. We both really needed this. And it was just too good to be true. So we decided to go forward and we knew nothing about each other. We actually ended up doing a coffee date and that put us both at ease because we both wanted a lot of the same things and we had the same goals. But I mean, co-leasing with somebody is getting into a relationship with them. So we needed to have contracts. We needed to have the contract for the lease reviewed. It was just a lot. And if I go back to my values, one of my values is budgeting and family time. And spaces right now, at least where I live in South Florida, are insanely expensive. And to have a space that could host classes needed to be a little bit bigger than the regular office space. It was definitely way more than I would like to budget for. And budgeting for me using the profit first system means kind of being scrappy. So just having as little overhead as possible and just trying to generate revenue in the areas that are going well and keeping your costs down as much as possible. So what was going to happen was is my private practice could supplement the lease for this space, but that's assuming no one canceled and it just didn't leave a lot of room for error, basically. And it would have really put us in a, a difficult position. And if you remember the story I told you in the beginning, our caregiver situation changed the first week of January. So I would have been stuck with this huge lease with someone I barely knew, no childcare, so no ability to work consistently for a time period. And I'm just so glad that everything worked out the way that it did. But when I was signing that lease, I didn't feel good about it at all. And this is something I talked to my business coach about. And it would have cut into a lot of my family time as well, because I would have been having to grow my business. So my daughter is actually going to be starting school later this year, and we have about five months of just mommy and live time, and I really want to take advantage of this time while she's young, and I'm really grateful that I can do that. And it just goes back to the importance of if I had known what my values were before and how I need to check any decision against them, it probably would have prevented me from a lot of stress and time that went into this whole lease agreement. I ended up having to pay a very big lawyer's fee. So that went against my budgeting as well. But you live and you learn and I don't regret it. I learned a lot from it, but it's just an example of why knowing your values is so, so important. 
So I would say that my number one tip for creating a vision board is know what your values are, make a list of them, write out what they mean, write out what they are relevant to, so that when you go to create your vision board, you can do it based on your values. So I don't know how you've done a vision board in the past. If you do vision boards, or maybe this is the first time you're doing one, which is great because you can do it from a value-based standpoint from the beginning. But in the past, my vision boards were just things I was inspired by. Like my vision board last year, I looked at it this year and I just kind of laughed because some of the things were so unrealistic and it can be discouraging if it's not something that you can do. I had put all of these places that I wanted to go on vacation, like Africa and Australia and maybe Italy. And with a toddler, like a one-year-old, those are very unlikely. I mean, it's not impossible, but it wasn't likely for our stage of life. And now when I look at my vision board, I'm like, wow, that feels good. That feels attainable. And that feels exciting. So number one, know your values and make your vision board based off of your values. Number two, this is not like you have to do this, but I would recommend making it digital. So doing it in Canva, doing it in PowerPoint. That way you can get pictures off of the internet. You can get really specific with your visuals and you can change it because sometimes your circumstances change. So I would say make it digital. That way you can edit it. And then number three, I would recommend matching your pictures to your values and your goals. So this is definitely different than I think a lot of vision boards, how a lot of vision boards are done. Typically, people do it by what inspires them. It might be based on their goals. It might be based on words that they kind of want to live by. So I would say the words that you're putting on your vision board this time are going to be your values. Your pictures are going to match those values. So if I go back to my values that I mentioned earlier, family time, I put a picture of me and my family. Budgeting, I put a picture of the Profit First book. Equity, I put an example that explains equality, equity, and then going further into justice and how it showed the difference between those. And that's something I want to strive to delve into more this year. And then adventure. So picking vacations that were attainable for me and my family this year. And that leads me into my number four recommendation for your vision board is to set dates. And this comes from a recommendation from my business coach. So we looked at my vision board together and she said, this is awesome. Now I want you to go in and put dates that you're going to start and dates that you're going to finish those pictures really like what they represent so the picture of family time me and my family i have it from january 1st to december 31st then i have the profit first book also from the beginning of january to the end but i had some exercise goals and i use peloton i don't know if you use peloton as well or You do some other type of exercise and workout, but in the Peloton app, they have these achievements. And I was almost at 400 meditations, almost at 100 runs, almost at 450 rides, and almost at 350 strength workouts. So I put dates next to each of those. The first one would be the running. So I actually finished that. 
basically ran for six days straight so that I could meet that goal. And then those strength workouts, I just met that as well. And I basically devoted an entire week to meeting that goal. So next, I'm going to move on to rides and meditations. And my meditations, it looks like I'll reach that goal by February. And then the rides is going to be the entire year. It's going to take me all year to get to 450 rides. But by putting the dates on there, it kind of creates a snowball effect and helps me kind of lay out what my entire year is going to look like. So if I don't put any dates next to these, then I guess my timeline is the end of the year, right? But if I'm not pacing myself with these goals throughout the year, then it's probably very unlikely that I'm going to get them all done by the end of the year. But because each of them has a specific date and it kind of goes throughout the year, then I'm checking those off as I get to the end of 2023. So definitely recommend putting dates next to your pictures and your vision board. And then number five, the last tip that I would recommend for your vision board, after you've done your values, you put all your pictures up, you put your words in there, you put your dates, I want you to evaluate those goals, evaluate those pictures. And I, I'm going to reference something that I learned from Jay Shetty in his Think Like a Monk book. He talks about how with any major goal or decision, ask yourself, is this motivation coming from me or something external? That's number one. And I think that one is huge because if I look at my vision board from last year, I could honestly say now that a lot of those were probably motivated from something external, something maybe I saw on Instagram and just desired to have or do like going to South Africa. Is that something I really wanted to do last year? No. Do I want to do it in my lifetime? Absolutely. But it was not an internal motivation for sure. And the second question you want to ask yourself is, do I still want it? So this is a super interesting question because if I think about that lease for that office space, if I ask the first question, is the motivation coming from me or something external? By the end, when we signed that agreement that ultimately fell through, it was external. I felt obligated. I was having all of these red flags. My body was telling me, no, 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 don't do this. But I felt an obligation to my uncle, a realtor, to stick with him. And he had devoted all of this time and I didn't want to let him down. And I felt an obligation to this occupational therapist who I met. It's, this seemed like such a kismet opportunity. And in reality, it wasn't the opportunity for me. Maybe this isn't where our relationship ends. Maybe there's something for her and I in the future, but this wasn't. It. And I wish I had recognized that earlier. And if I think about that lease and I do, I still want it. It's an H-E-L-L no at this point. And I'm so glad that it fell through. So it's just really interesting when you look at your goals and decisions and you evaluate them in that way you really get down to what's important to you. So let me just summarize my five tips for creating a vision board for 2023 and going forward. Number one, make it value-based. Number two, make it digital. Number three, match the pictures to your values and goals. Number four, set dates. And number five, evaluate your goals based on Jay Shetty's suggestions to determine if the motivation is internal or external and if you still want it. 
So if you want to see my vision board, this is the first time I would honestly feel comfortable sharing my vision board with anybody because it feels like me. I am not embarrassed by this vision board at all. It feels very attainable. It's based on my values. So these are things that I'm proud of. So I would be more than happy to share it with you. Go to my Instagram, Speechy Side Up, and you can DM me vision board and I will send you a picture of it back. Just please don't share it with anybody else unless it's your partner and you're doing them together. I don't mind if you share that, but I would be happy to share it with you this time if you DM me vision board on Instagram. I wish you all the best of luck and success and happiness in 2023. And I'm super excited for Speechy Side Up, the podcast this season, the tassel learning events that we have, the first one starting in March. And I will definitely be putting out more announcements about that very soon. So stay tuned. And until next time. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.